Let's open our Bibles up again to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 13. Of course, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. The last time we gathered, we studied um, verses 1 on through verse 23. So today our teaching will be mostly focused on verses 24 through 58. And again, if you weren't with us the last time that we gathered or you haven't had a chance to listen to the last teaching, uh, you can always go and find our teachings on our newly uh, revamped webpage, which again, the address for that is www.aloveoutreach.com. And just a reminder, you can also find our teachings on YouTube, on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching a love outreach on any of those apps. We also have an Instagram and a Facebook page that you can also find by searching a love outreach as well. And it would be great if you take the time to subscribe to and to follow us there as well. But again, with all of that being said, let's go ahead and jump on into the Word of God for today. And just as a refresher, let's just go ahead and go back and start reading at verse 1. I know we covered all these verses the last time we gathered, but let's just so we can stay within the context and just kind of refresh our minds on what we talked about last time. We'll start in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 13. It says, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For shortly I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. 
Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understand it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, we see here that Jesus was very plainly and very simply teaching his disciples about how the word of God goes forth into the hearts of people. And we saw there where people were willing to seek him in order to be taught by him. All those people that came to him when he sat on the shoreline there, they came out, the multitudes came out. They were willing to sit and to be taught by Jesus. And I exhorted us all in our last teaching to be diligent ourselves in seeking the Lord on a daily basis. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Taking the time to focus our attention on Him and to allow His Spirit to teach us and to to lead us through this life we now live. It takes commitment. It takes dedication. It takes diligence. We also talked about how when the Word of God goes out, some receive it and some do not, as Jesus points out here. Some receive it for a little while, and then they walk away from the faith, right? We know that there are many things that distract people from receiving the Word of God and appropriating it in their lives. If we're not careful, we can all be distracted by the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world, right? It's not an easy thing to stay the course of faith in this world and to continue as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's very easy to be distracted. So like I said, it takes diligence and dedication and commitment. And many people deny the offer to come to Jesus at all. But nonetheless, we see in the scriptures that Jesus cared And he still does care deeply about people. He desires that they come to faith in him. It is the desire of the Lord that people would come to know him, to learn of him. So he teaches in a plain and a simple manner that everyone can understand. And the Bible calls these types of teachings parables. Right? Jesus would tell stories that illustrated spiritual truth. And we, through the Scriptures, right, we have the Word of God today. And we see in the Scriptures that Jesus expected more from His disciples. He expected more from those that actually 
were going to sit down and learn of him and be called his disciples. And the reason for this was because they knew more. They knew more by simply spending time with Jesus. They were called his disciples, right? We are called to hear the, the word of God and then to live a life of obedience to the word of God as we see it written in the pages of the Bible. You don't, you don't need to turn there right now, but in the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 22, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. It says, deceiving yourselves. You see, that's what happens to a person if they're a hearer of the word, but not a doer of the word. They end up deceived. And it's really themselves that end up deceived. It's hurting them. Right? And we'll talk a little bit, I think, about it later here, but it really turns you into a hypocrite as well when you're just a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. So as I mentioned in the last teaching, right? We need to be sure that we read the Word of God, that we hear the Word of God. We must be diligent to then be obedient to what we read and hear. So we must cultivate the ground. As Jesus is talking about seed here, as we looked last week in Matthew chapter 13, uh, the soil of our hearts, right? The Word of God, the seed, right? Has the opportunity to spring forth in our lives, And to cause us to grow to spiritual maturity if we take the time to be diligent. Right? And this is the number one concern of the Lord for our lives. He desires that we grow in the knowledge of Him and that our lives bring forth good spiritual fruit. You see, it's easy and it comes natural to us to focus a lot of attention on our physical needs. No one needs to tell us to do that, right? We pay attention to ourselves very easily and our own needs. That comes easy, right? And this is not wrong. God knows that we have needs, but what the Lord wants most of all is for us to be spiritually mature and to grow in Him, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then He adds to us the things we need. In the Word of God, as we study it, it will cause us to grow, right? And it will cause us to begin to walk in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake, okay? So all that is a a kind of a little refresher from what we studied the last time, Matthew chapter 13. We're here again today, Matthew chapter 13, and we'll pick it up now in verse 24, okay? Matthew 13, 24. It says, Another parable Jesus put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now, the thing to keep in mind here is that, again, the good seed is the Word of God. That's what Jesus told us, right? Jesus came as the Word made flesh, didn't He? As you can read in in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, He was the Word that was there in the beginning with God, and He brought the Word of God into our hearts, and He, along with His disciples, took the Word of God into all the world, and even today, we have the Word of God written down 
in the pages of our Bibles. Still as powerful as ever. Still able to to change our hearts and to cleanse and to purify our ways. So the good seed, the Word of God came into the world, and like I said, it still is going forth into the hearts of men and women today, and they will either receive it and repent of their sin, or they will reject it. But Jesus continues with His parable here and says in verse 26, But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appear. Now we know in the parable how the tares got there, right? The enemy came. Now obviously here, again, the grain is good and the tares are bad in this parable of Jesus' here. A tear was like a rye grass. It, It resembled wheat. And this is important to think about here in this parable. That tear resembled wheat but it wasn't wheat. And this man that planted the good seed in the parable, the Word of God, had an enemy that came along and planted seed that produced something fake, not the real thing, not the good grain. Today, there are mass amounts of people that profess to be Christians. But a real Christian is a Christian that has been born again of the Word of God, the good seed. Now, I may have had you look at these scriptures in our last teaching, but I want to remind you of them again, even if I did. I want you to go ahead and mark this page in your Bible here, and I want you to find the book of 1 Peter toward the back of your Bibles. 1 Peter chapter 1. Again, this may be repetition from the last teaching, but it's very important that we take the time to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. It's very important that we take the time to allow our eyes to see and our ears to hear what it is that the Lord wants us to to see and to hear, to know, right? So in 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll look down and we'll start reading in verse 22. It says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Now, I was touching on this a little bit with you earlier here. We need to be obedient to the truth of the Word of God. And we see here that this is how we will purify our souls. It's the Word of God that purifies our souls. That's why I said we need to be diligent to read it and to be in it. Okay, In Psalm 119.9 it says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your Word. Right? And again, the Word of God is compared to good seed in this parable here. And in verse 23 it says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. So you see again, this is why I stress this all the time, this is how a person is born again, through the obeying of the Word of God, a person's soul is made pure. The Word of God never fails. 
it lives and abides or remains, if you will, forever. It never changes. Nothing changes about it. In our society today, things change every six months. Technology changes. We, we focus on different things in this world and our attention gets grabbed by this or that. Our financial situations change in life. The economy gets good. The economy gets bad. All kind of things change. But God doesn't, God's not concerned with that. He's concerned with our souls. He's concerned that we purify our souls and that we're renewed in our spirit, that we're born again, and that we're focused on the kingdom of God and His righteousness. He promises this. He promises that if we seek first the kingdom of God, if we make that our priority in life, that He will add to us the things that we need. But if we're focused on the things that we need, and it's consuming us, it takes Every, it robs us of everything. It steals the Word of God from us. It steals the, the, the fruit that can be produced because our, our focus is out of whack and, and we're not trusting in God. We're not resting in God as the Lord wants us to. Okay? So I wanted to take you here to First to Peter to show you that it's the Word of God that purifies the soul. It's the Word of God that causes a person to be born again. It is incorruptible seed. Okay, Go ahead and flip back to chapter 13 of Matthew. And like I said, the real Christian is the one that has been born again through the Word of God. And then as a result, they produce fruit. And they obey the truth of the Word of God in their everyday life. Okay? But in this parable here, Jesus is pointing out that there are some that are amongst the grain, right? That though they look like the grain, in reality they are tares. Something that's not good. And that's what it's like in, in the kingdom today. There are some that really are, and there are some that really are not disciples of Jesus. But these people, though they may be fooling themselves, right? Remember what I quoted to you from James, where it said that we deceive ourselves if we are hearers of the word and not doers of the word? We have to be doers of the word, okay? And, the, and though these people may look like they're part of the kingdom, and they, they're deceiving and they, they may be fooling themselves, but they're not fooling the Lord. Okay, And Jesus continues with this parable here in verse 27. And He says, so, verse 27, So the servants of the owner came and said to Him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? Now, let me just say something here real quick. Have you heard someone say something like, well, I, I knew this Christian guy, I knew this Christian girl, and they were just total hypocrites. You know, so people will judge Christianity based on how people behave, right? And that's what this question is kind of like here in verse 27. Did, didn't, you, didn't you come to the good seed? Wasn't there good seed? How's this happening, Right? There are people that are amongst the grain, but upon closer examination, 
they, do, they did not really sprout forth from the good seed. Upon closer examination, you find they're not rooted in the Word of God. They don't even know the Word of God. They just say they're a Christian because they were born into a, a family of a certain religion. Or they were born an American, so they think they're a Christian. But Jesus makes a distinction. They profess Christianity, but do not live the Word of God. And this causes people, like I said, to question Christianity. But they're really not questioning true biblical Christianity. They're questioning the tares, the fake people that are professing to be Christians, but not obeying the Word of God and not living it out. Verse 28, Jesus continues. He said to them, an enemy has done this. So in the parable, the man answers, an enemy has done this. That's how the tares got there. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Think about the love of the Lord in this, right? We may say, look at the body of Christ today. People are behaving this way. People are living in fornication and professing to be Christians. People are going out and getting drunk and partying and they're professing to be born again of the Spirit of God, born again of the Word of God. Lord, why don't you do something about this? But the Lord is loving. He is kind. He is long-suffering. He doesn't want to hurt. He doesn't want to hurt the body of Christ. And he says here, I want to read that verse again, verse 28. And he said to him, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So you see, the Lord knows those that are truly His and those that are not. Like I said, some people may be fooling themselves, but they're not fooling the Lord. The good seed of the Word of God will produce good fruit. Right? Or good grain, if you will. That's how you know. A tree is known by its fruit. The good grain, the good wheat, the true born-again follower of Jesus is the one that has taken the time to repent or to turn from sin in their lives and to allow the Word of God to purify them, to make them clean. It's not too late to begin that process in your life. Day by day, we need to diligently seek the Lord, make it a daily habit in our lives of reading the Word of God and seeking God in prayer, being a true disciple. Don't be fooled into thinking that all you need to do is to look the part, but not be the real thing, because the Lord knows the difference between the grain and the tares. Right, let's see what else Jesus has to teach here in verse 31. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So, 
We've got to keep all of these parables that Jesus is speaking here, we've got to keep them all within the proper context of the chapter. With the mustard seed here, Jesus is saying that the man has a field and he plants all kinds of seeds, right? He's planting different things in this, in this field. But the, seed, but the seed he plants, the least of, is the mustard seed, okay? The mustard seed is more like a bush, then it is a tree. But Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God starts off small by comparison, but it will expand far and wide. And as a result of expanding far and wide, there will be evil that makes its way into the kingdom. Okay, Just like the tares that grow amongst the wheat, the birds in the branches of the mustard tree here represent evil. Why do I say that? Why do I say that these birds that sit in the branches represent evil? Well, look back at verse 4. Stay right here in Matthew chapter 13 and look back at verse 4. It says, I read this already this morning, but it says, And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. So Jesus was talking about the Word of God being planted in people's lives, and the birds here represent evil. Okay? Let's look down now at verse 19 again. This is where Jesus is explaining the meaning of verse 4. If you look down in verse 19, He says, When someone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. So the birds in these parables that come and snatch it away are representing evil. And again, just like the tares amongst the wheat, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, if you will, can, can have people in it that are truly born again and those that are really there for evil purposes. They're sitting in the branches as well, right? A tree, though, is really known by its fruit. A good tree produces good fruit. People love to say, you know, people say this all the time, today especially, in our day, I should say, don't judge me. People love to say that. Don't judge me. But I tell you what, it's better to be judged by the Word of God today than to stand before Jesus thinking you can fool your way into eternal life and hear the words, depart from me. Right? Jesus will continue here with another example of evil, trying to appear to be good in verse 33. He says, another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. So again, tying all these parables together here, leaven throughout many New and Old Testament examples represents sin and evil as well. And as time goes by, more and more evil makes its way into what is called Christianity. Many religions have been formed with people that profess one thing and yet live another. 
They may come to a church on a Sunday. They may even come to a church on a Wednesday. But where are they really in their hearts? Where are they in their soul? How are they living? Right? Many people kill and destroy and profess Christianity. But Jesus knew all of this would happen. And he foretells that in his parables here. Right? This is the way Jesus taught in parables. Verse 34, All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable, He did not speak to them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. You see, Psalm 78, 2, which was written long before Jesus came to the earth, prophesied that the Messiah would speak in parables. Verse 36, Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And His disciples came to Him saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. Okay, so we went through this story already, but let's hear how Jesus explains it to his disciples. Verse 37, he answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Okay, so like I said earlier, Jesus came as the word of God and brought the word of God into the world, the good seed. Verse 38, Jesus says the field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. That's the truly born again people, right? But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. But again, they're all growing together. They all look similar and they're all growing together, right? So again, but it's evil people making their way amongst the true believers in the kingdom of God. That's why we need to notice it and say, we, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Right? We need to be careful of that ourselves. Right? How did they get there? Verse 39, The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. So just to reiterate here, the kingdom of God today, the true kingdom of God, is made up of those people that have repented of sin and have been born again of the Spirit of God. The time is coming, still in the future, when Jesus will return and His people that still remain on the earth will rise to meet Him in the air. There will be those that at that time, even though they professed Christianity, will not go into eternal life with the Lord. Verse 40, Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now pause right there. Do you see in verse 41 there where it says, those who practice lawlessness. Now go ahead and mark this page again. We're going to stay in Matthew though, but turn back to chapter 7. So Matthew chapter 7, a few pages back from where you are. <clears throat> and let's start reading down in verse 22. So Matthew chapter 7, 
verse 22. And what I'm pointing out to you is I just read the scripture to you back in, in, in Matthew uh, 13 that said those who practice lawlessness. Now in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 7, it says many. So do you see that there? Many, not a few, it says many, will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and then done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Here it is again. You who practice lawlessness. So you see, Jesus uses those words here as well, speaking of the ones who practice lawlessness, right? They, they, they make a, a daily habit. They make it something in their lives where they're constantly repeating the same sin. Like I said, living in fornication, drunkenness, whatever it may be. But yet, they think they're part of the kingdom of God. And they think they're going to have eternal life. But they have a rude awakening at the end of the age, at the time of harvest. Because Jesus wants His people practicing righteousness, seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, doing what's right, living holy lives. So as we turn back again to chapter 13, and let's just read again from verse 41. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Verse 43. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus here says, pay attention. Let this sink in. There are those that are truly the good grain, the good wheat in the kingdom of God, and there are those that are not. Someday, when the time of harvest comes, the righteous will shine forth as the sun, and the righteous will ever be with Jesus. Right now, the tares can kind of mix themselves in, and they kind of can look similar. But at the end, the righteous will be the ones that shine forth, those that have lived a life practicing righteousness and not lawlessness. Verse 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to the shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to them, Have you understood all of these things? They said to Him, Yes, Lord. 
So, do we understand these things today? Do we understand that the kingdom of heaven is worth giving away all that we hold dear? It's the pearl of great price. It's the treasure in the field. We sell all. We give our all to it. This is how Jesus calls people to come to Him, to forsake all else, to follow after Him, to walk in His way, as described here in His Word, to take up the cross, right? To come to the kingdom of God, we must come wholeheartedly, surrendering all and living in a manner that professes to live as Christ and to die as gain. Jesus calls everyone to take up the cross. That is, to die to oneself, to repent, to follow Him, to let everything else go. No excuses, no hesitation, no turning back, no putting to your, your hand to the plow and then looking back. We can't just pretend the part. Okay, Verse 52, Then He said to them, Therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. So, He's talking to His disciples here, right? And the disciples of Jesus would now go on to be scribes themselves. That is, they would now become teachers of the things of God. They would write things down so that all these years later, you and I can know the will of the Lord. They would, they would teach from the Old. That is, the Old Testament. And they would teach from the new. That is the things that Jesus taught them and the things that the Holy Spirit would teach them. They'd be bringing forth old and new, right? And as we read the written Word of God today, we are now responsible for what we know. Responsible to live it out in our lives, to be obedient to it, to not be hypocrites. Let's go ahead and wrap up this chapter for today. Now, it came to pass in verse 53, when Jesus had finished these parables, that He departed from there. And when He had come to His own country, He taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Hoses and Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So there we see a group of people that knew the man Jesus well, right? What they were missing, though, is that he was God in the flesh. They knew him well because he, he was from their area. They knew him. They knew his mother. They knew his father, Joseph. They knew his brothers and sisters, right? And, of course, Mary had multiple children. She did not remain a perpetual virgin, as some religions teach, she had more children, right? But these were the people, though, that were really missing who Jesus really was. Today, sadly, many people still miss who Jesus is. They 
compare Jesus to religious leaders of great fame, but he was more than a carpenter. Right? He was Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. Other people may lump the name of Jesus in with the name of Gandhi or Mohammed or some other great man, but now he was God in the flesh, the one that came down from heaven sent by the Father into the world to redeem mankind, to save that which was lost. Do you see there again in verse 58 where it says, Now He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Many people are missing the mighty work that the Lord wants to do in their hearts. And through their lives today, they're missing all of this simply because of their unbelief. They choose to just see Jesus as a good man, maybe a a prophet or a hero of some sorts. So they never fully surrender to Him. They never give their lives completely to Him. How do you see Jesus today? Is the Word of God speaking to your heart today as you listen to this? If so, don't hesitate to give your life to Jesus completely. Turn from your sin and come into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. You see, the saying really is true, and we saw it today, didn't we? That is the saying that says, turn or burn. The saying that says you need to repent or you're cast into hell. Jesus is the way. The only way. There's no other way which we can be saved. Scripture tells us so. You've heard the Word of God now. The good seed, the Word of God, has just been planted into your heart as you listened to this teaching and as we read the good seed, the Word of God. It's now up to you what you will do with it. But we're all responsible for what we hear. We need to be doers, not hearers only, because we only deceive ourselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, again for your holy word, Lord. Thank you that you have not left us comfortless. You've not left us alone. You've not left us clueless as to what your will is for our lives, Lord. You've given us your written word. You've given us your Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who brings us into remembrance of all things that you said and all things that you did, Jesus. Your Holy Spirit points this out to us even as we read your word this morning. I pray, God, for those that hear this teaching, be it today or be it sometime in the future, Lord, they hear this or they pick up your word and they read Matthew chapter 13. I pray, God, that they would Take the opportunity, if they've never done so, to repent and to turn unto you. The days are getting shorter. The the time is drawing near when we will ever be with you, Lord, or we will ever be separated from you. So, God, have your way. Let your will be done in our hearts and in our minds, Lord. As we go forth into a new week, Lord, let your will be done in us, Lord. Renew us in the spirit of our minds, Lord that we would fix our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We love you, Jesus. 
because you first loved us. And we thank you for this time here together again. In Jesus' name, amen.